All right, as we continue reading and studying through the book of Revelation, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Revelation chapter 13. We'll begin reading with verse number 11. If you don't have the scripture with you, you can look on the monitors tonight, for we'll have it up there. But Revelation chapter 13 and verse number 11, I would ask you to kindly stand for the reverence of the reading of God's word and prayer for the message as soon as you get your place. I'll try to make this as least painful as possible tonight. And uh, I thank God for his word. Amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 13 and verse number 11. And I beheld another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell. Save he that hath the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of man. And the number is six hundred three score and six. Father, we love you, God. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the presence of your people. I pray you'd give us wisdom tonight, dear Lord, as we preach your word. God, I pray that you would help us in this study through the book of Revelation. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. You may be seated tonight. Zeal, devotion, allegiance, loyalty, dedication. There is a desire tonight within man to commit his life to something. Every person, no matter who he is, must have something that interests him and motivates him. Something that stirs him to arise in the morning and function and move and act throughout the day. Something about which he can speak with excitement and commitment. It may be a job. It may be his family, it may be a school, it may be a sport, it may be your spouse, a girlfriend, boyfriend, a car, a house, land, money, power. Man has to have something to drive him, something to motivate him, something to which he can devote himself and give his life and give his loyalty to. What drives you? What drives me? Drives me is getting up in the morning knowing that the Lord has something for me to do. Amen. Driving me up in the morning early and onto my knees in prayer, I realize that I have need of prayer myself for myself and for others. 
I know that many other are in need of prayer, and that's what drives me. It drives me to get it up every day and to pray and search the Word of God to uh, try to assemble in my mind what to bring you for Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then Wednesday night. But the great problem here facing a world government, as we were speaking about last week, the government that will embrace every nation, a government that will embrace every people on earth, the government of the Antichrist, what is the greatest uh, problem facing a one world government is this. How do you get everyone on earth to be loyal to one person, one government? Think of it. With all the tribes, the languages, the peoples, the nations upon this earth, what can bring them all together? What can be used to bind their loyalty and their allegiance to the state and to the Antichrist? What unifying principle, what unifying spirit can be found to focus the support of the people for this one world movement? This will be the problem facing the Antichrist and his government in the end time. But remember the chaotic mess of the world in the last days that we've already studied. There's going to be natural disaster after natural disaster. Earthquakes, violent storms. Famine will be sweeping the earth in record numbers, unparalleled, and never seen on its like in human history. There'll be the diseases and the pestilences that have been unheard of. And the overthrowing of governments and terrorist actions, I believe, will be part of it as well. Then there is the sinful and evil behavior of the witchcraft that will be going on. The thievery. uh, And on and on. The world will be in chaos, to say the least. There will be a social crisis all over the world. People will be frantic for some answers. For some leader to appear on the scene who can help and bring some kind of order to the world. And the second beast all of a sudden comes onto the scene. There is such a man that's going to bring all this together. And it is that second beast. The second beast, a beast who is going to help the Antichrist find the unifying principle to hold the loyalty of the people. You see, the second beast will understand the spirit of man. The man must have something uh, which he can be devoted to, uh, something that which he can be attached to. And the second beast will give uh, uh, the Antichrist that something, that devotion that he's going to be looking for that will bring the people together. This second beast will become the worldwide spokesman and the propaganda chief for the Antichrist. He'll become the right-hand man of the Antichrist. This second beast that will attack the earth and its people in the last days is and will be a false prophet. A false prophet. If you have your outline, we'll move to number one. This false prophet. There's the origin and the description of this beast that we can find in verse number 11. The Bible says he comes out of the earth. This means that he comes out from among the common people of the earth. He'll be from among the masses, uh, yet he'll hold a high office and be the second most powerful man in the government of the last days. This will, of course, give him a strong identity with the masses of people that are left here on this earth. It will help him 
wield influence and secure their support for the program of the Antichrist and for the government. He appears to be a lamb, the Bible says, for he only has two horns like a little lamb. No person's ever afraid of a little lamb. There's nothing about this beast that seems to be wild. There's nothing about this beast that seems to be evil. The little lamb symbolizes at least two things or three things tonight. The beast will appear innocent. This false prophet will appear innocent, harmless, mild, meek, attractive, and lovable. Most people will be attracted to him. No one's going to fear him. There'll be absolutely nothing about his appearance that will frighten anyone. People will be pulled to him and want to touch and embrace him just as onlookers feel as they are pulled toward a little lamb. The beast will appear to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. He will appear to be one of God's little lambs or a sheep, but he'll actually be that sheep in, or a wolf in sheep's clothing. He'll be a religious leader, most likely. Just like a lamb, he'll appear to be religiously clean, free from evil and violence and wrong and ungodliness. He'll appear to represent the Lord Jesus Christ and peace and love and joy will follow him. And people will think that he can do no wrong or at least not anything seriously wrong. See, he's coming in. He's bringing peace. He's snowballing everybody to believe that he is somebody that God is sending to straighten out the mess. But he's going to be quite the opposite, as we'll soon find out here in the Word of God. The Bible says the beast will speak as a dragon. His voice is going to betray him. What he has to say will reveal that he is not a prophet of God, but a false prophet. He'll not be teaching the word of God. He'll be teaching the words of the Antichrist and the one world government. It's going to be a mean cat. He'll not be speaking the truth. He'll be speaking a lie. He'll not be a spokesman for God, but a spokesman for the government and the Antichrist. He'll not be speaking for people to support God, but for people to support the civil power. He'll not be promoting the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll be promoting the policies of the Antichrist. And this second beast will become that spokesperson, that spokesman, the great motivator of the masses for the Antichrist. And he'll lead those people in a motivating way, in a motivating spirit, to pay all their loyalty to the Antichrist and the government that he's setting up. So he's sort of like a forerunner. Except the beast will already, the Antichrist will already be here as well. But this man's going to step out. The Antichrist is going to give him the power. And the Lord's going to allow that to happen. That's part of the judgment of God that's going to be falling upon this earth. We know that he'll be a religious leader. For after this passage, he is called the false prophet when he is mentioned on over in chapter 16, 19, and 20. So keep this in mind. He'll hold the second highest position in the authority of the world. The Antichrist will promote him to second in command to be the chief executive officer of the government. But note his origin and his background. He comes from religion. He comes from Christianity itself. Whether a prophet, a priest, a minister, forever what you will, he ends up professing to be a follower and a teacher of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
but he is just there to blow the smoke over your eyes and to gain your acceptance to where he can lead you down the wrong road. Now, let me do reiterate this tonight. Where we're at in the scripture, if you're saved, you're blood-bought, you're not here for this. You're going to be gone. We're raptured up. We believe that we're, we're pre-mentalists. We're pre-trib. We're not going through the tribulational period. Not even the first three and a half years. How do you get that? Because God's not appointed his people under wrath. And I don't believe we're going through it. Amen. But there will be people left behind. There will be some people saved out of it. But most people will lose their life. If you look at number two on your outline. There's an objective of the second beast or the false prophet. And his objective is to secure that devotion. Secure the loyalty and the allegiance of the, of the world to the Antichrist and his government. The second beast will exercise all the power that the Antichrist has. The Antichrist will give the false prophet the right to speak and act for him. And when he speaks and acts, he'll do it with the full authority and power of the throne. He'll be the chief officer of the Antichrist, the second in command, the chief of staff, the full representative of the Antichrist. But remember, this beast is from the religious world. He is going to be a prominent religious leader. He comes from the root of Christianity and maybe even from the church. He probably is either a minister or a priest of some sort. He'll represent the Lamb of God for a while, the Lord Jesus Christ. But this Antichrist notices him and entices him to use his religious position and influence for his sake and for the sake of his one world government. It means that this false prophet will hold a high position in religion and in that government. He'll be so influential that he'll be winning many people over. He's going to be very charismatic and able to affect the speech and communicate with people face-to-face uh, -face in meetings and in mass over television, radio, whatever, visual and sound. He'll be able to get it completed. What is the objective of this false prophet? To secure devotion, loyalty, and allegiance to the Antichrist. He'll use his high office in religion to rally support. He'll force worship. That is, uh, the devotion and loyalty of people, he'll force them upon the Antichrist. He'll do what he can to lead them people to be loyal to the Antichrist. Folks, I'm here to tell you, everything that uh, glitters is not gold. Everything that shines is not silver. So be careful of what you hear and what you do. But number three, your main point there in your outline as we consider verses 13 through 17. We see the means that the way he's going to secure this loyalty and this devotion of the people of the earth. He's going to use four things to secure the people's loyalty. The first thing, he's going to deceive people with great miraculous signs, especially with fire. The false prophet will face a problem. How can he possibly convince all these masses of the world uh, that God will understand their act of showing loyalty to an allegiance to a man and to a state and this Antichrist? That God would approve an occasional act of worship and expression of devotion to the state and to the leader. How is he going to do it? Well, he's going to do it by miraculous signs, miraculous wonders, 
God's going to allow them to have that ability. That's part of the judgment of God. Remember, the two great witnesses of God we've already studied in chapter 11. The witnesses who will be in Jerusalem preaching the gospel will be able to work miracles and call fire down from heaven. This is the idea that this miracle will cause people to fear them long enough to keep the government from killing them at least for three and a, and a half years. Uh, uh, the miracles will be duplicated by this prophet. So he's going to be doing the exact same thing that those true prophets were doing. They're going to think that he's another prophet of God that was sent from heaven by God. But it's not. He's going to be one of the devils chosen that will be leading this revolt here for the Antichrist. The devil will empower the false prophet to duplicate the miracles. People will then think that this false prophet is a true prophet and as much a prophet of God as the two witnesses that were seen in Jerusalem that lost their life and then was resurrected up from the dead. He's going to have similar power. The Antichrist and the false prophet will look like the next thing to God himself. And people are going to believe that he is a God. That he is a ruler that is sent from God. And he's got this high authority. And he will have authority. And he will have power. But he is not the authority and the power that people think that he is. He's going to be pure evil. He's going to be pure hell itself here on this earth as you get into the great tribulation, which is the second three and a half years of this tribulational period that we're speaking of. But number two, the false prophet will use universal religion to secure the loyalty of the people. You see, there will be so much uh, uh, turmoil in the land. People are just looking for peace and he's going to offer peace. There's going to be no way to eat, no way to buy food, to buy medicine, no way to uh, get things accomplished that would keep you alive unless you show your loyalty to the Antichrist and this false prophet. And folks, I'm here to tell you, I'm glad I'm leaving on the first trip. Amen. I'm glad I don't have to be faced with this mess that's going to be occurring. Again, preacher, why are we even worrying about it if we're not going to be here? Because people that are lost on their way to hell without Jesus need to know about it. They need to know about what's coming. They need to know. And if you know just a little bit of a background, if you know just a little bit, have a little bit of knowledge of this book in Revelation, you'll be able to tell people what's waiting for them when Jesus comes. This Antichrist will be that man that leads and directs. He'll be this one that... Uh, Conquers the three nations and then the, uh, the seven, other seven will willingly come under his rule. We spoke about that last week. He will at long last bring peace to that area of the world and possess enormous wealth. And one of the largest, have the, one of the largest militaries that the world has ever seen. He's pulling all these people together. All the nations, the tribes, the tongues. He's pulling them all together for one world government, a one world currency, and a one world a religion and a one world state, then he is going to demand loyalty from it all. The universal worship will center around the image of the beast. The false prophet will suggest that people of the world make an image of the beast. Note there's two scriptures I want to read to you tonight. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot them down. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 15. The Bible says, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, that's the Antichrist, spoken by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. 
Listen, he's going to be standing in the temple of God. Standing in the temple of God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Listen to this scripture very closely. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. We're speaking of the Antichrist. Who opposeth and exalted himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. So that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. People are going to believe it. People are going to believe it. I'm glad I'm blood washed today. We're not promised tomorrow. You don't have to worship a beast, the antichrist or the false prophet in those days becoming because we're going to be gone in the rapture of the church. We're going to be out of here. And then everything, boy, I'm telling you what, Nisi was mentioning some of the stuff in chapter 14. It gets worse. It gets worse. Many people think it can't get any worse than the famines. The earthquakes, the storms, the terrible uh, starvation that goes on. The rise of the anti-beast. The rise of the false prophet. Oh, trust me, it's fixing to get a whole lot worse. The temple of God that is speaking of here is the temple of the Jews in Jerusalem. It's prophesied that it will be rebuilt in the end time. The false prophet will convince the people that the world has been blessed with the peace and economic recovery through and by the Antichrist. They're going to say he's, the false prophet's going to be so smooth, he's going to be able to stand out on a worldwide stage and say it's because of him. It's because of him, that ruler, that leader, is why we're able to eat. It's because of him that we're safe now. It's because of him, because of this short period of time, there will be some peace. First three and a half years is not going to be quite as bad, nowhere near as bad as the last three and a half years. The Antichrist is the one bringing the peace. He's bringing perfect peace. He is the one that needs your loyalty. He's providing society with plenty of food. He's providing jobs. He's providing, he's providing plenty of housing. He's providing everything. He's giving them medicine. And boy, he's going to look like the best thing since sliced bread. But yet he's not going to be real. Not real in his tenure. Not real in the way that he... Uh, Leads and he guides everyone. That, that, that false prophet is going to make sure that everyone shows their support and their loyalty to the state and uh, to the Antichrist who has brought about all this temporary peace. And the only way to keep movement going and continuing is for everyone to honor that state and give him the first loyalty and allegiance to the state. Folks, that's why government... Has to be in check. Government will keep taking. Government will keep. Ceasing. And government will eventually be able to control every part of your life. And if we don't. Have checks in place. That's what happens. Why do you think the second amendment's there? You might, they, they, I mean, you know, everybody says, you know, well, well of course, the Second Amendment, we got a right to bear arms. Yeah, we got a right to bear arms. Well, that's to keep you safe. Well, yeah, in a word, yes. But you got a right to bear arms to keep the government in check. 
That's originally what it was for. You check your history on that. That's originally what it was for. I read a story yesterday. Craziest thing I ever heard. I read it to my wife. She couldn't believe it. I showed it to her. Parts of California had voted that you cannot shower and you cannot wash your clothes, your laundry, in the same day. Now, who's going to be the laundry police, right? (laughs) Well, they're going to allow you so many gallons of water a day, and if you go over that, they know that you'll be violating it, and it's a $1,000 fine. That is a mess. And folks, that's what happens when government gets too much control. I mean, there's other crazier things out there than that. I mean, there is some towns, there is some cities in Michigan that is ruled under Sharia uh, law. That's the, the law of Muslims. They're ruled in that. Their city boards, their mayors, their county councils are all made up of Muslims. You go through noontime in the city and they're playing their chants over the loudspeakers in the city. Folks, you got to be very careful. You are blessed to live where you live today. <laughs> it's, it's a mess in many places. A mess. And unfortunately, it continues to move that way. We got to be careful. We got to be careful. The false prophet will be convincing the world to turn to the temple and worship this Antichrist. But the universal worship will sit around some uh, supernatural power that will enable uh, the beast to, be, to, to speak, actually. All kinds of shrines and places where miracles are supposed to have happened today. There will be a spectacular miracle in the end time. Satan will cause a miracle to happen. Some people worshiping in the, in the, in the shrine in the end time uh, built to the Antichrist will hear the image speak to them. Or else it'll speak periodically. The end time will be a day of uh, mass deception and counterfeit religion for the ungodly and the evil of this world. And God is going to allow the world to be deceived and deluded as part of the judgment for their ungodliness and for their evil. Second Thessalonians, let me read it to you. Chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. And with the deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved and for this cause God shall send them strong delusion and they should believe a lie. The false prophet will use religious persecution to secure loyalty to the Antichrist. Very simply, anyone who does not worship the state and the beast of the Antichrist, they're going to be slaughtered. They're going to be killed. Of course, no believer can confess loyalty to a person or government above God. No true believer is going to fall for that. But these believers will be weak. They'll be converted during this period of time. Uh, The the church is gone. They'll be converted during this tribulational period. Um, And they will some be deceived. You think about it. 
The worst holocaust ever known to man is going to happen. It's going to include the Jews, the Muslims, the Hindus, other religions. Listen, Christian, they'll be slaughtered in the holocaust of the Antichrist. He'll use economic controls to secure loyalty to the Antichrist in the state. The scripture there, verse 16 and 17, is self-explanatory tonight. There'll be a mark placed upon their head. Be a mark placed upon their forehead for people to show that they're loyal to the Antichrist. Food and supplies and other purchases. The whole economy will be based upon this mark. A person must have the mark to buy anything. That goes from food and water and medicine. If he does not, he'll be considered a traitor and he'll be terminated. The person will have no choice. He gives his first loyalty to the state or else be killed, starved to death, forced to flee in the wilderness as we've read in prior chapters for safety and survival, but mostly will be martyred for the cause of Christ for those that reject the mark of the beast. Believers will be kept around. Some believers will be kept around as a testimony to the Lord. But um, again, I'm glad I'm not going to be here. Amen. Number four in your outline tonight, as we look at verse number 18, that number of the Antichrist, it is an infamous number that is more well known in literature than any other number. 666, 666, the number of the beast. What is the significance of this number? Really, no one knows. Scripture really doesn't say what it is, but all we do know is that what Scripture does say, it's the number of a man. In Scripture, the perfect number is seven. Therefore, since man's number is six, that means that man is incomplete and short of God's glory. Short of God's perfection. The number of the beast is the same. And the spiritual man is to count it such. The beast is not God. The beast is far from it. He too is a mere man. Short of the triune God. His days are numbered. He'll do what all other human leaders have done. He'll die. He'll be passed on to eternal judgment. But my friends, I'm telling you, this is critical. We must not forget, never forget, that all men, no matter how great they may be, nor how much they may do for us, will die. We're talking about this false prophet. He's going to die. And everyone's going to face the judgment of God. This will be true for the most powerful of all leaders. The Antichrist in the end time, he'll be facing God in the final judgment himself. There is a plan for him. You'll have to stay tuned to find out what that plan is. Most of you know what the plan is. But how critical is it for every man to be prepared to stand up for Christ when the end comes? How important is it for every man to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? 
How important is it that we warn our family and our friends about the days that lie ahead? As we look into chapter number 14, I just want to read the first few verses to where we'll know where we pick up in a couple of weeks. Verse Chapter 14, verse 1, the Bible says, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion. With him a hundred and forty and four thousand having his father's name written in their foreheads. Now what's the difference here? You got some that's got the triple sixes across their head. Then you got the son with the father's name across their head. Guess who belongs to God? That remnant, that hundred and forty-four thousand that has the father's name written on their forehead. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women. For they were our virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. Uh, these were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and unto the Lamb. And in the mouth was found no guile, and their mouth was found no guile, and they were without fault before the throne of God. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having their everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come, and, the worship, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. That great city because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the third angel followed him saying with a loud voice. If any man worship the beast in his image and received his mark in his forehead or in his hand. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. Which is poured out without mixture into the cup of indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels. And in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever. And they have no rest day nor night. Nor worship the beast who worship the beast and his image. And whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me. Write. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto a son of man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice, uh, to say to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust the sickle and reap, for the time have come for, for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust the sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud voice to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for the grapes are fully ripe. 
And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city and blood came out of the winepress even unto the horse's bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. That's deep. That's deep. Folks, I'm telling you, it gets worse as they go. It gets worse as they go. I want you to stand, if you would. Next Wednesday night, we'll meet with the Brother Childers over to Chesney Church and uh, for their camp meeting. I encourage you to go. I encourage you to support it, because you'll be supporting your church if you do go. Choir, we need your help. We need you there. Okay? Let's pray. If you've got a need, you can come and pray. I know we've already had altar prayer. But if you've got a specific need, you can come. Father, we do love you. God, we thank you for Jesus. Him dying on the cross of Calvary. Lord, whatever one may need tonight, I pray you'd bless. Pray you'd help us to be a witness unto thee. Help us, dear God, to love you more. Worship you, serve you, and pray unto you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we'll thank you tonight for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.